Hey everybody, I just want to take a moment to talk about a new thing I'm doing. Over the years, many of you have reached out to me telling me how much you love the podcast, but also wish there were more personalized takeaways and more in-depth interactions with our guests to hear what they think about comedy. This is why I'm now launching my new digital academy, Blueprint for Success. With exclusive interviews and comedy philosophies of stars and industry veterans, personalized versions of the Industry Standard podcast, commercial-free, and one-on-one coaching time with me. Blueprint for Success will give you the powerful tools that will take you up the elevator beyond the competition and reach the highest possible levels to achieve your dreams. Whether it be stand-up, sketch, improv, acting, writing, producing, directing, hosting, radio podcasting, social media influencing, or even if you want a career behind the scenes as a manager or an agent. Now I'm here to help, personally. We'll go on an express train of comedy and entertainment like nobody else has before. You can find out more about Blueprint for Success and the comedy business on my website at barrycats.com. Together, we'll take your career where you want it to go. I think people are told to focus too soon on what it is that they're that they're going to do. And you have to give yourself room to explore and to try different things. You know, you don't know what you're going to be good at until you give it a whack a lot of the time. When my sketch group fell apart, uh, I knew I wanted to keep performing, but I didn't know in what way. And I know a lot of... comics who like focus on just one type of comedy, you know, and they say, I'm just going to do stand up or I'm just going to do improv. And I was like, I'll do both, you know? And it took me until I figured out after doing both of them for three years, I was like, Oh, I'm getting better at stand up. I'm not getting better at improv. And I actually don't like doing improv and I'm going to quit. Right. Uh, it took me trying that thing to figure it out. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Industry Standard with me, Barry Katz. Hope you're having a great week. I'm excited about part two today with Adam Conover. If you need to reach me, you can do so at Barry Katz at Instagram or Twitter or wherever you can find my social media. Just press follow. It helps. And you can subscribe to the podcast wherever podcasts are found in your lifetime. You can reach me also at barrycats.com. I'd love to hear from you. And when I sit across from Adam Conover, one of the things that always strikes me was that he grew up in a situation where he was in the shadow of all of his family members. All of his family members, according to him, were all more brilliant and talented than he felt he was. And he felt like he was always on the sidelines. But it just proves that it doesn't matter where you are in the world and where you think you are in the world. What matters is how you take the variables that you have in the world and the gifts that you have for yourself that might not be the same gifts as the people who you're looking up at, who are at the top of the mountain, and you figure out how to use those gifts to your advantage and to your success. 
And Adam did that. Adam figured out a way to create informational comedy. Think about that. Think about how many times you've ever seen anybody do any form of comedy that threw out information and also combined it with comedy. I don't think I've ever seen that before. And if I have, I don't remember it. And that's exactly what he did. He created a show called Adam Ruins Everything based on his rants, probably with friends and family, about different subjects and debunking them in a comedic and informational and intelligent way. And he did it. He created it. He made it happen. He put it together. And even when he got the chance to do the show and the pilot, he went out and delivered because it's not just getting the project going or getting it sold or getting a pilot made. It's figuring out how to do great, unique, extraordinary, original, authentic work and then recreating it again and again and again. And that's why he's on his third season of the show. That's why he goes on tour and he kicks ass and crowds are out the door. That's why he gets calls from the Netflix animated hit show BoJack Horseman to voice characters on the show. That's what happens. Work begets work and extraordinary unique work begets extraordinary unique people calling you, talking about you, writing about you. And if you want to figure out how to get to the next level, I can guarantee you, if you follow that path, you'll have the possibility of the kind of career that Adam Conover has. Here we go in three, two. This show will have laughter. I got everybody pregnant with Barry Katz and semen. I'm not comfortable with the tone this is taking. If you're undeniable, you will not be denied. If you want to be successful in show business, you get yourself a Jew white manager like Barry Katz. <laughs> Being a manager is just turning no's into yeses. Creating holy shit moments. Uh, undeniable. You fucking firing me up, Katz. I love this man. Is there anything else I should know? You're on. What? Out of the air! Barry Katz. Back in the house. 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 Let's do this. Presumably, that was the first television pitch you ever did in your life. Is that true or false? The one that you created to star in and executive produce, right? Yes. Yes. The first the first pitch for myself. Yeah. My my sketch group the 10 years prior might have had might have done a, you know, a, had a meeting or two, but never really a proper pitch even. So I think it should be noted that in the history of television, okay, you could count the comedians or comedy artists on maybe two hands at best and maybe one who created their own show, pitched their own show, sold it, and got it on the air to go more than one season. Mm -hmm. And you're one of those guys. Yeah. So if you could let our audience know what was the process for you to get yourself ready how did you go with the mindset of winning the super bowl knowing that you never <laughs> went to the super bowl before <laughs> well uh you know part of it was 
a reconception of myself. I, I specifically remember being on like a jog in LA. Um, and you know, I had previously conceived of myself as uh, a comedy writer who also was a stand-up comic, you know, and, but I never expected to be the, you know, the greatest stand-up comic, like to be like Brian Regan and sell out, you know, stadiums or anything like that. Um, I always was just, Hey, I, I love doing comedy and I'll do that. And then also I hope to get a writing gig. So the same year that I was, you know, uh, the same year that we sold Adam Ruins Everything, a couple months before that, I was submitting to you know work on John Oliver's show or Seth Meyers' show. I was writing packets and not even getting to the second round. Um, if I had gotten one of those jobs, I would have been ecstatic, but then I would not have done Adam Ruins Everything. You should send them a fruit basket. I probably should, yeah. Thank you for not picking up my packet, right? But um, So that was how I conceived of myself. But then, and I was in sketches on college humor and stuff like that, but I was I never was like... I think I could host my own show and that's an immediate goal that I have, right? But um, once I realized we were gonna pitch it, I, I remember being on a jog and really reconceptualizing myself and thinking, could I be the, the star of this thing, like the center focal point of this thing, the person who is, you know, all the creative energy is coming from me and, and you know, the, the sort of sun around which this show orbits. Um, and I thought, yeah, I can do that. I, I, can, I can conceive of myself in that way. Uh, and so once I had made that change in self-conception, I knew that the materials we were bringing in were so strong that I was not nervous about it. Uh, and I, I don't know why I, I didn't have... I didn't have any fear about the pitches not going well. You know, if they don't, if they don't buy it, they don't buy it. <laughs> you know, like I'm not, I'm, I'm doing okay. I, you know, it's, it's nice enough to be in the room and, uh, you know, I'll still be working at College Humor and everything. And it's not like some make or break, but it turned out to be a make moment, you know, but uh, yeah, I, I had the, you know, my, my friend Mike Lawrence, who's a comic who I who is like the king of comics in those open mic days. Um, he was like the guy everybody looked up to. I remember he tweeted once years ago. He probably doesn't even remember this, but he tweeted like, um, "I think I do best on stage when I give a shit about not giving a shit," um, which I think is a great attitude, right? And that's just how I felt in those meetings. I was like, "This is good. I know this is good. I know it would work." And it's up to them if they want to buy it or not. But I don't need to impress anybody. It's already impressive. You know, I know we've done the, the background to have it be impressive. Uh, and so, you know, the ball's, ball's in their court. And uh, uh, I, uh, that's a hard thing to aspire to that mindset, but I just happen to have it because of how, how well the project came together. Uh, Where were you when you got the call? I uh, was in... Uh, I was staying in Greenpoint, New York, because we had flown back to New York. Uh, I started, I got my start in New York, but then I moved to LA right before we pitched the show. But we had gone to New York to pitch it to the New York networks. And we had pitched it at True TV that day. And I was on a jog around Greenpoint, around where I used to go jogging when I was in New York. And um, I was running down to like the waterfront where you can see Manhattan. And my friend John Cohen, who pitched the show with me, and by the way, I owe so much to him and Sam Reich for knowing these guys like were good at pitching, right? They had been in rooms before, they knew how to do it, and so I had a lot of backup there. Um, but he called me to say, we had pitched True TV that day, and he called me to say they really liked it and they wanna, they wanna do a pilot. 
Um, and that was like a very, I, I remember being there specifically and, and that being like a, you know, I definitely let out a couple like, woo, kind of shit at the, at the, uh, at Manhattan. And so True TV gives you money for a pilot. Yep. You do the pilot. What's the subject matter of the pilot? The subject matter of the pilot was called Adam Ruins Giving. And it was the original Diamond Engagement Ring story. And it was two more stories. Yeah. And so you do that and you finish the pilot, you deliver it. And when do you get word that it's going forward to series? You know, it's, uh, it's really funny because the joke that I have about this with, uh, even my, you know, my girlfriend, uh, did her own series on Netflix, uh, Tuca and Birdie. And, um, the joke that I was like, here's what I experienced when she was like waiting to hear about her show. Um, is that the thing is they almost never give you a moment to celebrate in my experience. What happens is they say, okay, the pilot is great. Would you send us a schedule for like, you know, doing a season and we'll let you know. And we send the schedule. Okay, great. And then, okay, how about the budget? Okay. We're talking about the budget. Meanwhile, tick, tick, tick clock's running out, you know, and like, okay, we need to get started. Are you picking it up or not? Like we need to be hiring people, you know, like, and so I had to start, I actually had to start working on the season before they picked it up because I was like, we're not going to have time to staff if I don't. So I'm literally reading packets and shit like that, like stressing out about hiring writers um, at the same time that they're they picked the show up. So when we finally got the announcement, okay, they're picking the show up. I was like, yes, of course they are. I'm very busy. Right. (laughs) So, um, it's, it's funny. I never had that moment of like, here's my big celebration. Instead, it was just stress. Right. (laughs) Wow. That's, that's the thing about the business is that you're like the, the prize you stress out over writing the pilot script out over shooting the pilot over editing the pilot. Right. The prize that you get if that goes well is you get to stress out that much for another year. Like it's not actually going to be pleasant. People act as though, uh, you know, it's look. I'm I'm very lucky to be on television. I'm very happy to be on television. But it's not like a good feeling to be working on a TV show. It feels like shit because it's extremely stressful. Um, and so uh, it's a weird goal to aspire to for that reason. You know. Hey everybody, I hope you're enjoying this episode as much as I am. If you made it this far and you haven't fallen asleep yet, then you must be the type of person who's serious about having a career in the comedy business. That's why I'm offering you my Blueprint for Success, a -a one-of-a-kind all-access pass into my knowledge and experience after over 40 years of working with the best of the best in this crazy entertainment industry. I'll tell you all the stories, all the philosophies, give you all the great special guests, and even give you one-on-one private consultations to help you expand, enhance, and skyrocket your comedy career. Just go to barrycats.com and click on Blueprint for Success to learn more about my groundbreaking digital academy that I've created just for you. With it, we can take your career so far that one day, instead of listening to this podcast, You'll be interviewed on it. One, Six degrees of separation. All right, six degrees of separation. I'm going to mention some names. Tell me what comes to mind when I say them. Whitney Cummings. Whitney Cummings. Well, uh, she was uh, she was on our show. She was on. Uh, uh, she did. Uh, th- this is like the best. 
this, this is like one of my favorite things that, that happened on the show because she was just tweeting that she liked the show, you know, which is incredible. I was like, wait, wait, you like the show? Oh my God, right? And I DM'd her and I was like, do you want to be on the show? And she was like, yes. And so she came to our set and she played a flight attendant in the 60s on an episode about how fucking sexist it was back then. And she's so funny and she was so game and wonderful, like on a you know pretty tough day of shooting. Our days are like very packed. And she was absolutely great. And that kind of like organic, you know, cameo is so wonderful to be able to. We've had a couple like that that make me really happy. Weird Al Yankovic. Weird Al also on the show. He played, um, this was so wild. He played a sort of Crypt Keeper-like character called the Game Master, like a sort of evil curiosity shop owner who later turns out to be the devil on our show. And he, uh, we put him in like full devil makeup. He had a blast in that episode. And also the kindest man in comedy. Uh, really like a really sweet guy. Really wonderful. RuPaul. RuPaul is the, oh my God. Uh, see, again, an example of someone who, RuPaul literally invited me on his podcast um, because he was a fan of the show. And then we had the opportunity, let's cast RuPaul in a, in a like, RuPaul plays like part of a character arc in our, uh, in our second season. Um, and uh, it was also fun because RuPaul's actually a great actor. A lot of people don't realize that. We were able to give, give him the opportunity. Bojack Horseman. Bojack Horseman is uh, a show very close to my heart. It's created by my good friend Raphael and uh, my partner Lisa Hannah Walt. Uh, also, is like the you know designer of it, designed all the characters. Um, and uh, I love that show so much, and and I'm so proud of to be associated with it. You know, I was just on it because. You know, Raphael put all of us from the old sketch group. He was in my sketch group uh, that I was that I've referred to. Relationships, everybody. Yeah, exactly. And uh, you know, he created the show and he put us put us in it. Um, just hey, everyone can do a part or two. And then I was lucky enough that they uh, brought me back to do a couple different characters. And and you know, voice acting is maybe one of the best gigs in the business because it takes fifteen minutes and you know. But it's so fun and people remember it and they recognize your voice and they're, oh, that's Adam Conover, you know, and so people still come up to me and, and tell me that they that they love that show. Yeah. Paul F. Tompkins. Paul F. Tompkins, another wonderful. Uh, he Paul has been one of my favorite comics for years and years and years. Amazing. comic, Really amazing comic. And uh, we had the silliest part for him. We cast him as a character named the human thesaurus, um, <laughs> who is in a Mensa. He's in a Mensa meeting, uh, when we're talking about how stupid IQ tests are. And so his character is constantly using very complex synonyms for things. Um, and again, just such a, such a gamer, such a, such a sweet guy. And also we were shooting it in this very ornate drawing room, which he fit in like perfectly with. It was ridiculous. Rachel Bloom, Rachel Bloom. I just went on, a tour with Rachel Bloom of Montreal. We just went on a terrible walking tour of the city um, that she organized. Well, she didn't, she wasn't the tour guide or anything. She was like, let's go on a tour. And so we got this tour and then the tour guide was just gave us a tour of like banks and like co-working spaces. It was really weird. We learned almost nothing about the history of Montreal, but um, such a funny down to earth person. We, this is one of the, speaking of relationships, you know, I met her, 
just when we were, you know, doing bar shows in New York. And then, you know, she got her show, I got mine. And then we were doing an episode about award shows and award galas. Uh, and she had just started doing that circuit. You know, she'd won a Golden Globe and she does all the award campaigning and everything and does the red carpet fashion. And I was like, would you be willing to come on and just demystify that for us and tell us how, you know, how these war, you know, how these outfits are selected, how they're how they're, you know, paid for by the designers, how. Uh, there's so much campaigning that goes into winning these awards. And she was like, yeah, sure. I'll come. I'll be frank about it. Who gives a shit? And came on and told us about it. And it was, it was awesome. It was really great. She's the best. Hey everybody. And I wanted to thank some of the sponsors on the podcast, starting with Aqua true. If you haven't bought this countertop water purification system, you have to do so. It's incredible. It turns tap water into your favorite bottled water instantly. It saves you thousands and thousands of dollars. It gets rid of all those plastic bottles that you have in your trash. Thousands and thousands of listeners have bought these. Everybody loves it. Not one complaint. It's incredible. I haven't bought a bottle of water in years since I got this, and you won't either. And if you go right now to industrystandardwater.com and type in the promo code Barry, you'll immediately get a $100 discount, a $100 discount, and start enjoying the best and most cost-effective water you've ever had. I guarantee it. Lastly, the air doctor. I don't know what the air inside your house is like, but the air inside my house, it feels heavy at times before I got this product. And now it got rid of all the bad air in my house, the dust, the pet hair, the pollen. It just gets rid of all the contaminants circulating through your home. And for me, when I got this product, it was amazing the difference that I found in the air in my house. And it's normally $600 and you can check Amazon right now and you'll see. But for all of you listening, today, I can offer you $300 off. $300. Just go to airdoctorpro.com and type in the promo code Barry. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code Barry, and save $300 and get rid of all the bad toxins in your house and start breathing the cleanest and healthiest air in the world. All your stories are drowning in the ocean. You can only save one that's the holy shit story of your lifetime. And it'll be the highlight chapter of your book. This is a very high bar to find that story, to think about it, uh, to think of it off the top of my head. What is that? What would that story be? I'll just tell you the first one that comes to mind. That's like one of the one of the craziest coincidences that ever happened to me. My sketch group uh, was doing a video at UCB. Uh, we, you know, back then people would do live shows and then they would run videos like during the show. Like it was an era when people were, you know, video creation became more accessible. And so everyone was making, you know, homemade uh, comedy videos and showing them live. People don't really do that as much anymore. It was like right around when YouTube was getting started. And so we made a video that was a parody of uh, Michelle Gondry movies called Michelle Gondry's Cribs, where it's like, 
Michelle Gondry's house and everything's whimsical and made of yarn and shit like that, you know. Um, and Raphael played Michelle Gondry. Uh, and we were going to our show and we're entering UCB and someone runs in because they Ben, one of the guys in the group runs in because he's like, dude, Michelle Gondry was at the last show. Uh, he was he was watching the previous show at UCB um, and we run out there and we're like. We find him. We're like, Michelle, we're about to do a parody video of you in the show that's up next. Do you want to stick around and watch it? He was like, OK. And he, and he sticks around and watches it. And then afterwards, one of the guys, Raphael, runs up to, up to him and goes, what did you think? And he goes, and he goes, eh, no hard feelings and leaves. But I was like, what are the chances that like just at a random venue in New York, the guy, one of the biggest directors at that time is like happens to be at the venue and then sticks around to watch our stupid ass parody of him. That's the kind of, you know, again, this is, I don't know if it fits your benchmark of a, of a desert island story, but it, it's like one of the. One of the strangest things that's that's happened to me and something I still love thinking about as a coincidence. Your proudest moment in show business. Uh, my proudest moment in show business. I want to make sure I uh, I get that exactly right. Um, there have been a number of times where uh, on our show, I'm really proud that we have uh, great experts on the show from you know we've got uh we've had pulitzer prize winners on the show we have had civil rights attorneys on the show you know we've had incredibly brilliant people and on occasion they've said to me hey i didn't know the show before i came in but i saw the episode and i think it's really great i think you got the idea exactly right you're conveying the message that you know you're conveying the truth and you're doing a good job of it, you know? And these are the people who are really doing the work, who are really studying the issue, who are really, you know, advocating. Um, so, uh, you know, that's what, that, that's what brings me the most, the most pleasure. Like, it's wonderful to get attention from the industry, you know, but we had, you know, this guy, Chris Fabricant on the show. He's the head lawyer for the Innocence Project. This guy flies around the country getting people off a of death row, you know, wrongfully accused people off a of death row. Um, and, you know, me and him are tight now, you know, because he because he thought the show did a really good job, you know, um, uh, other folks like that. Uh, we did an episode on redlining, which is the practice uh, where, you know, African-Americans were excluded from being able to buy homes in the middle of the century by just overtly racist policies. You know, we had uh, Nicole Hannah Jones from The New York Times on the show to talk about that. She's an incredible journalist who covers this really well. And. Uh, ta Coates, the author, when that segment came out, retweeted it and said, wow, I never thought I would see this on television. I never thought I would see this message out on television. And that to me was, or, you know, not just this message, but the fact that this happened, you know, and uh, that is what means the most to me is that we're able to get that, the, get those folks info out there. Awesome. Hey, everybody. Let me remind you one more time about my new blueprint for success. It's a project I've spent months and months working on just to help you jumpstart your comedy career and beat the competition. Whether you want to do stand-up, sketch, improv, acting, writing, producing, directing, radio, social media influencing, or even if you want a career behind the scenes as a manager or agent, Blueprint for Success will give you all the tools you need to take your career to the highest levels. With exclusive interviews, my top 50 commercial-free episodes from Industry Standard, 
one-on-one coaching with me and unprecedented access into my knowledge and experience from over 40 years in this crazy business. I guarantee you that with Blueprint for Success, you'll become the creator you've always dreamed of becoming. No one's asking me to do this. I want to do it because I want to help you become truly undeniable. So just go to barrycats.com, click on Blueprint for Success, and start your incredible journey today. I truly can't wait to work with you to help you change the trajectory of your comedy career forever. Your biggest disappointment in show business and how you used it to feel yourself to the next level? Uh, very good question. Uh, like I said, I'm very, I'm very happy to have had that early dip in my career because it let me know that that's going to happen. You know, so there's always disappointments. Um, one that happened was was that a, about a year and a half ago. I don't talk about this often, but about a year and a half ago. True TV wanted us to do a pilot for a studio show for like basically a talk show version of Adam Ruins Everything. And this is before the show or after this is in the middle of Adam Ruins Everything. This is this is in the middle of us doing it. They're like, hey, it would be really cool to do a studio version of Adam Ruins Everything, like a talk show, the live audience. Um, and I'm like, OK, great. That sounds awesome. You know, I could do more episodes per year. I could renegotiate my deal. So it'd be better, you know, uh, be better off for me. You know, your first show, you get really screwed. <laughs> but, you know, it'd be my second show. So that would be of a benefit. And, you know, I love. You know, I grew up idolizing Jon Stewart, right? I always felt that was the highest pinnacle of what a comedian could do. And so I'm like, I want to get my hat in the ring and do that type of show, do my own spin on it. And so they wanted us to do it really quick. And we we put the pilot together and uh, we did it at a breakneck pace. And it became very clear as soon as we started working on it that they actually didn't want a show like that. They had like changed their minds. And, um, uh, and so there was a period when, you know, we shot a pilot for it. Um, there's this period when I thought, oh, that's going to be the big next step, you know, is I'll, is I'll do a second show that's even bigger than the first one. And that ended up not happening, you know, and I was, uh, briefly very like, uh, disappointed by that because I had a lot of plans for what I was going to do with that format, you know, but then in retrospect, uh, it was the luckiest thing in the world that it didn't end up going because it turned out a year later, everyone's like, oh, there's too many late night shows on. Now. There's too many studio comedy shows. The world for that is too crowded, you know, um, and it wouldn't have ended up feeling like my voice in the way that I wanted it to. Um, I would have been entering an arena that was too crowded rather than doing my own thing, you know, and I, that became very apparent over the over the following year. I just sort of fooled myself into thinking that was a good opportunity because it was in front of me and it sort of re- resembled something that I thought I wanted, you know. What advice do you have for the young person growing up in a very interesting household where the expectations are so high and yeah. everything around you is tearing you and in the direction of okay let's go to what everybody else is doing but no you have another thought in your mind and how do you navigate through that and get to the place where somebody can have the kind of career that you're having well i think you can't make too many assumptions about what it is that you're going to do i think people are told to focus too soon on what it is that they're that they're going to do and you have to give yourself room to explore and to try different things. You know, you don't know what you're going to be good at until you give it a whack a lot of the time, you know. So uh, I never conceived of uh, that I would go into comedy until 
you know, my friend started a comedy group and I was like, oh, I want to do that. And then I realized I was kind of good at it, you know, and then I kept growing that and blowing on that ember and coaxing it out, you know. Uh, when I, when my sketch group fell apart, uh, I knew I wanted to keep performing, but I didn't know in what way. And I know a lot of comics who like focus on just one type of comedy, you know, and they say, I'm just going to do stand up or I'm just going to do improv. And I was like, I'll do both, you know? And it took me until I figured out after doing both of them for three years, I was like, Oh, I'm getting better at stand up. I'm not getting better at improv. And I actually don't like doing improv and I'm going to quit. Right. Uh, it took me trying that thing to figure it out. Uh, so, you know, my main piece of advice would be, you know, be experimental about what you're going to do and don't say to yourself, Oh, that's not for me. I, I couldn't, I could never do that. You know, I often think about when I was in college, I also really liked music and I could play the guitar and I wrote songs and stuff like that. But for some reason, yeah, there were other people doing that at my college. I took a songwriting class. You know, I could have like started a band, right? But for some reason I was like, no, 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 that's not me. I, sh I shouldn't do that. I'd be kidding myself, right? Um, and then when comedy came around, I said, like, oh yeah, I want to give that a try. And I did that. And thinking back, I'm like, wait, I was as funny as I was musical, right? I, I was 17 years old, right? I wasn't very good at either one. I had that little kernel, right, that I could have expanded on. And I have to think like, what? why was that that I said, no, that I didn't put myself out there with music? And I've always regretted that. I kind of wish I had, you know? Because um, I, I, even if I wasn't doing it professionally now, I'd have that as more a part of myself. And uh, so, you know, my, my advice to everyone is just like do the thing, you know, like give it a whack, right? Like if you wanna do standup, people always say, what, what's your advice to people who wanna do standup? Get out there and do it. Go to the open mics. You know, the beautiful thing about standup is if you do, if you do standup, what, three to five times a week, right? As an open micer, you get up, you get up three to five times a week or even just once a week for a year, right? Guess what? You're a comic. You might be a bad comic. You might be a bad open mic comic, right? But you're a comic, you know, right? You can go, you can show up here to just for laughs and people go, oh yeah, that's that shitty open mic comic from Philly, right? Like you, you have at least that status because you're doing it. You're actually in the arena. Uh, and so that's, that's the core of my advice is just like, get out there and fucking do it. And, and everything that you think you know about it will be demolished as soon as you actually start doing it. Right. Like that's the other beautiful thing about stand up is like, you can think about what you're going to do before you get up there as much as you want. And it doesn't matter because after you've done three sets, everything that you thought you knew is going to be out the window, right? You're going to be starting from zero. Okay, wait, how do I negotiate this experience and like make this work? Right. And uh, the same is true of like any activity. <laughs> so just like, just start. Adam, this has been amazing. I truly mean that you are a true original <laughs> from the way you present yourself out in the world to the way you present yourself on television. You did it. You did what every comedian wants to do. <laughs> create, write, star, and executive produce their own television show. And Thank you, you should be very, very proud. Thank, Thank you. you so much. That actually really feels like a very fatherly uh, bit of praise. And so it's really hitting me in the heart. I thank you for it. <laughs> oh, I, I, I mean it sincerely. Thank Thanks, you. Man. Okay, I'm going to scroll through the list of people who sent me a message, and one of these people will be a lucky winner, and they'll get to attend 
a podcast live with one of my guests, meet them, shake their hand, ask them a few questions, or else if they're out of town, out of state, or out of the country, we'll Skype them in or FaceTime them or anything like that so they can be there. Why not? So let me look here randomly and pick somebody. All right, landing on JG17X, April 3rd, 2019. Heading reads, perfect podcast, five stars. And the comment reads, couldn't be any better. All right, a short but sweet one. Thank you so much, JG17X. You are a winner. And that wraps up our podcast. I just wanted to thank my incredible partners, starting with AquaTrue, the revolutionary miniature countertop water purification system that works straight out of the box. Plug it in, fill it with tap water, and immediately turn your faucet into your favorite bottled water for pennies. You can get $100 off when you go to industrystandardwater.com and just type in the promo code Barry and start enjoying the best water you've ever had and never buy another bottle of water again. And I Killed JFK, the groundbreaking film about the only living person who admitted to killing Kennedy. Go to IKilledJFK.com, buy the film and the rare interviews with five of the last living experts, and I guarantee it'll change your mind about what happened that day. And the Air Doctor, the innovative portable air purification system which will change your overall quality of life. It instantly removes dust, pet hair, mold, pollen, flu viruses, and other contaminants circulating in your home. Normally $600, and if you don't believe me, check Amazon right now. But for a limited time, I can offer you 50% off. That's a $300 savings. Just go to airdoctorpro.com, type in the promo code Barry, and start breathing the cleanest and healthiest air in the world. And here's a preview of the next very special episode. Ron Bennington. Joseph Campbell had the best line ever, in my opinion, and that was follow your bliss. If you follow your bliss. I mean, me and you came into, you know, the kind of almost parallel comedy club stuff. And there was an avenue one way for me, an avenue one way for you. There was another avenue for Brian Regan. There was another avenue for Jeff Garland. All those jobs, you know what I mean, are there. It isn't just being Bill Cosby, you know what I mean? You can, there's so many different avenues you can follow once you start to follow your bliss. As always, this has been Industry Standard with me, Barry Katz. And if you like the show, tell all your friends. And if you don't like the show, tell all your friends. You get out the money, drive that fancy car. All the people love you, cause you're going far. Life is for the dreamers, they have all to gain. It's never quite over, till it all feels the same. You pick your own poison, dig your own grave down in the valley. A fortune.
Thank you for listening to Industry Standard with Barry Katz. If you'd like more info on our schedule of new episodes or how to reach Barry through Twitter, Facebook, or email, go to barrycats.com. Before you leave, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast, leave a comment, and rate it, even if you think it blows. Thank you for your support, and have a great day.